Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good night, lovely listeners, and welcome to the Dreaded Lurgy Season 2 with Lara from Ladybells and Kylie from Sale. We made it! We did! A whole season down and starting with a fresh one. Look at us go! We are doing well. We ha- we are also not dead. After how many days of lockdown is it now? 50-something? 60-something? It's all blurred. 63, maybe? 63. It's excessive. Jesus did not spend this long in the desert. Anyway, the so we're picking off... The struggle is real. We are kicking off season two with Scurvy. Um, and for that reason, we have to do a shout out to the person who suggested we do Scurvy, who is our friend Rosa, who is currently living in Makanda, I believe. Yes, last I checked, and uh, is uh, enjoying lockdown with her family. So hello to you and all yours. Hello. Uh, this one's for you. We hope we, we hope we acquit ourselves. Yes. So, Lara, Scurvy, we haven't had it, have you? I haven't had it. I know something about it. So I very purposefully, when I researched for this week's episode, did not look at what the symptoms are. I'm relying solely on what my mother told me when I wouldn't eat an apple when I was younger. Which was? Uh, She told me that my teeth would fall out and I would die. That's a bit exaggerated, but not wrong. (laughs) Well done, mom. Look at you. Your threats, uh, the threats were, were real. Hard. I mean, mothers are seldom, I find that the irritating thing about mothers is that they're seldom completely wrong, but they're just wrong enough that you don't want to take them seriously every time, and they turn out to be right at the most inconvenient moments. And then um, they get you. And then they get you, they and get you, you come second, and you will never forget coming second. Ever in your entire life. And apparently this only goes away when you have your own kids, but then you are still subject to it from your own mother. Okay, but... In terms of the teeth falling out, that's not that's not wrong. But that is a fairly advanced symptom, and you probably will die, which is the the final symptom. I feel. How is death a symptom? Uh, not the penultimate symptom, but the final symptom. Yes, the penultimate symptom is uh, seizures. It would seem like so. Scurvy is a vitamin C deficiency, so an ascorbic acid deficiency, which none of us should have after how many ever days of is it's it's both citrus season and flu season. So if you are not taking a vitamin C supplement, what the fuck are you even doing with your life? Humans can't make their own vitamin C, which is why we have to eat it or take supplements. Uh, in that respect, we are failing. And most of the animal kingdom can make its own vitamin C. Oh. Did you know that? Because I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I mean, this is just another way in which we are not the superior species. No, man, we suck, don't we? We are, like, not winning at life, existence. We can't see very well, we don't run very fast, we have no sort of protective measures, no claws, no fur. We can't synthesize vitamin C, we can't synthesize vitamin D. Like, what even is the point of humanity? Bit of a mess, I think, is the general vibe. Yes, I, I can't say we're wrong. So, deficiency of vitamin C affects all your connective tissues. Ooh. Right, so, you don't want your connective tissues going on the blink. Please, no. Here's the thing. No, please, yeah, really, your teeth will fall out. You oh will God. become fatigued. You will become fatigued. You will feel not very well, which is your malaise. You will become peevish, according to... I think a lot of people I know might have scurvy. <laughs> Shots fired! Shots fired, man down. Anemia, another one, myalgia, which is muscle pain. You will get bone pain. Ooh. You will begin to swell. You will begin to have little skin hemorrhages, known as petechiae, and you'll bruise easily, and then your wounds won't heal, and you'll probably get gingivitis, and your teeth will fall out, as your mother warned you about and then you'll become jaundice, and then you won't be able to feel your feet, and then your blood will start like malfunctioning, and you will be short of breath, your mouth will be dry, your eyes will be dry, you'll bleed randomly, you'll have seizures, and then you'll die. Oh my god. Scurvy, scurvy is not kidding around. 
it's not kidding around because what vitamin C does and why you need it so badly is it protects your DNA and your proteins and your blood vessel walls and your lymph vessel walls, everything from damage by free radicals. Remember a couple of years ago, free radicals were all the rage. Well, antioxidants were all the rage because they protected you from free radicals. I just thought that that was skincare mumbo jumbo. Well, I mean, partly it was skincare mumbo jumbo, but turns out that free radicals are in fact a thing and so is so are antioxidants. Um, so vitamin C is a powerful antioxidant and it keeps your collagen synthesis going, right? So parts of your body that are affected the most when you have vitamin C deficiency are the collagen heavy parts. For example, your skin, uh, your your like cartilage, dentine, your, your blood capillaries. And it also affects your... Uh, ability to absorb iron in your intestine so that's why you end up with anemia and you can't metabolize folic acid properly which is a bit of a shit show if you're um, a woman that's pregnant um, and then you can't synthesize hormones like um, corticosteroids and several other neurotransmitters your you know ability to make those goes on the blink which is why you get sort of um, mental and emotional changes bam not good wow at all you know that yeah. makes the surgeons that I'm about to describe to you even more insane that they were willing to do this crazy stuff. Yeah. So I have two, right? William Stark in the mid-1700s is like, okay, lol, I'm going to experiment on myself. This is an excellent idea. So for 12 weeks, he ate bread, water, and sugar. That's it. Ugh. I know. It's a quarantine diet. What a miserable diet to be on. Unsurprisingly, he felt dull and listless and had swollen, bleeding gums. He ate normal food for three weeks, recovered. Brilliant, right? He's like, okay. Step two, he goes back on his basic diet, adding in things like olive oil, butter, animal fat, lean meat, honey. Note none of that really contains any vitamin C. I'm not hearing any green vegetables. No. Uh, and then he died six months later. His dedication no to the craft was was such that death was his due, apparently. So William Stark... I mean, that, that's above and beyond. That's above and beyond the call of, of duty, I feel. Truly. Rest in peace, William Stark. You, I mean, you didn't find out anything useful, unfortunately, so your death was entirely in vain. <laughs> oh, my but... God. <laughs> if that's not the saddest epitaph. I mean, hopefully he discovered other things. I didn't really look, read up more about him, but I mean, I'm hoping for William Stark's sake there was more to his life than a failed experiment. Oh, I hope so. Oh, Poor William. Uh, the next guy had a bit more luck. Admittedly, he was doing this in 1939 rather than the 1700s, which I think immediately puts you on a better setting. He was a surgeon at Harvard Medical School, and his diet, I mean, it sounds positively exotic in comparison to William Stark's. Bread, crackers, cheese. Right, I'm sold. I'm happy with that. Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Eggs, beer, chocolate. Okay, one of those can go, the other two can stay. I'll leave it up to our audience to decide which is which. Eggs, eggs can go. No, beer can go. Ew, foul. It smells like, like sad bread. Beer is a lovely, wonderful thing. Pop, pop, pop. At least we agree on chocolate, I suppose. That's true. These are common ground. Uh, he also ate added sugar to that mix. And a supplement of everything except vitamin C. Very successfully gave himself scurd. Now, he took it a step further. He had two cuts on his back, the self-inflicted cuts. Because he wanted to track the impact of scurvy 
on wound healing abilities. Oh boy. Which is a bold move. Also, hang on, question. How do you self-inflicted cuts on the back? I have several concerns about the practicality of that particular location. The logistics are a challenge in several respects, I agree. The literature was, how shall I say, vague Oi. on the practicalities just... of this particular scientific method, sort of? Yeah, sort of scientific would... method? What, hap- what happened to this man? Well, he ate vitamin C and got better. Once he increased the vitamin C in his diet from naught to something, and then tracked how that impacted the healing of his wounds on his back. Until he had just returned to a normal diet and had a normal amount of vitamin C. And then he was fine. So John Crandon, uh, not a martyr to the cause. Well done. Good, good, good. There's no need to suffer. The treatment for scurvy is super simple. It's called eat a vegetable. Even as we will find out, spoiler alert everyone, the potato. In the event that you cannot eat a potato, because say, in the event that you cannot just eat a vegetable because you are flat in your back with seizures or a shortness of breath, or even neuropathy, or your teeth have fallen out, you can just have large amounts of vitamin C delivered intravenously. Here's the thing. Your body can only store 1,500 milligrams of vitamin C, and if your body falls below 350 milligrams, you start to get symptoms of scurvy. And it takes between one and three months for the body to run out if your intake of vitamin C goes to zero, right? So if you're at sea, for example, you'll have no access to potato. But the thing is, all they do is they give you massive doses of, of vitamin C via IV, and within 12 days, 12 days, you'll be completely recovered. Okay, oh. if your teeth are fallen out, that's going to take, I mean, your teeth are fallen out, you need to get those replaced separately, but you will cease to have scurvy within less than two weeks. That is how easy this is to cure. That's amazing. Such a but simple I mean, treatment. Very, very simple, but it took us like millennia to figure it out. Oh, God, because scurvy does have a super long history. So if you dig back in the archives, you can find evidence of it in the Old Testament, uh, which is quite a thing if you Venerable. think about what's in the Old <laughs> Old Testament. Aliens. There's evidence of it in the Ibera Papyrus, in the writings of Pliny. There's a history of the Crusades in which scurvy is uh, very much a factor. Oy. In fact, a factor in many wars. Super factor, yeah. factor keeps coming up old scurvy and in the middle ages scurvy was endemic in northern europe during late winter because of the lack of availability of any kind of fresh produce the potato my favorite my hero was introduced to europe in the 16th century by the late 18th century it was regularly cultivated uh, unsurprisingly because the potato is the greatest vegetable of all time fight me i'm saying nothing scurvy was all but eradicated once it was a regularly cultivated crop. So the potato people is the hero of us all. Which is interesting because potatoes don't even have that much vitamin C in them. We're setting a low bar got... here for not scurvy. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, all you need to do is, it turns out, there's not even, you, all you need to do is have a little bit of vitamin You don't need lots of vitamin C. You just need like a bit, like a ceremonial amount of vitamin C. I think realistically, if you're from any part of Europe, potatoes really have been the vegetable bay. Of your family, I can certainly I can certainly speak to the fact that my parents are devoted to potatoes. It is it is a, almost a religion in our household, the potato, the humble potato. And, and yet we still can't make decent mash. I don't know, like it just keeps going wrong. I don't know what we. I don't know. I can make decent. Excuse me. Hang on. Let me just qualify that. I can make decent mash. Someone is stating her claim. I can make decent mash. I am dying on this hill. <laughs> I'm dying on this hill. You do not use fucking margarine and mashed potatoes, people. Don't do it. It is a sin. So Lunga makes a joke. Lunga, my partner, uh, makes a joke. Her fiance. Of fiance. Good point. 
I make him sound like a business party. We're in business of life together. Lol. Oh, They're so cute. I'm going to spray them the fucking hose. If I'm ever allowed <laughs> to see you guys in public again, in person again, I'm going to spit you with a hose. You've been disgustingly cute throughout the lockdown process. <laughs> I know. We've just grown closer. Isn't that amazing? But anyway, enough. Enough oh, about I hate you both. This is about diseases, not about my romantic history. <laughs> it's about potatoes, actually. I think we. I think we just. We, what were you going to tell me? Sorry, I feel like we veered off. So again. Lunga makes a joke about how there's a potato famine in our house if there aren't any potatoes. He's not wrong. Not. Sorry. I mean, there's there's the lack of potatoes in the immediate environs, but I think that given the seriousness of potato famines in European history, it feels too soon to make that joke. Too soon. I mean, given your average Irish sense of humour, I, I feel like it's. It's never been too soon. I feel like they've been making that joke since about September 1845, and the famine, for those of you who are not giant nerds, began in August 1845. Because what happened was, Ireland was invaded by the English. A historical fact, fight me. Don't at me. It's true. And the native Irish got sort of shoogled off their land and made to live as uh, sharecroppers, which is a miserable state of affairs for anybody who has ever lived as a sharecropper. That happened in South Africa. It happened in America. There's been sharecroppers all over the world, and every sharecropper will tell you it sucks. Because of a population of 8 million, 60% depended on agriculture, and many of those were tenant farmers, aka sharecroppers, and had to feed their families off very small patches of land. And most of their time was given to working for the landlord, and then in their off time they had to grow their own crops. And what crops can you really grow on a very, very small, on a small farm? They were usually between just under half and two hectares, which is tiny if you've got to feed a family. little, itty bitty. It's like a handkerchief. Anyway, so they resorted to potatoes because you can grow potatoes in a fairly high density in a fairly small area of land. And I think they like a poorer soil. I know carrots do. So I'm assuming many tubers, if you have a rich soil and you're trying to grow a tuber, the leaves grow and the tuber doesn't because it doesn't have to work very hard because the tuber is just a root, right? So I think the same is true for potatoes. I realize now I should have checked, but I didn't. So you had many, many Irish who had fairly large families in some cases, trying to feed entire families off potatoes. And the thing is, they didn't like potatoes. They were forced to eat potatoes. They preferred other vegetables. So firstly, they were forced onto small land, and then they were forced to grow potatoes and to become solely reliant on potatoes, which is fine until the fucking potatoes all die. Jesus. Which they started doing in the summer of 1845, because the potato blight went around and turned all the potatoes to slime in the ground. There is the visual. A slimy potato is a miserable... A slimy potato that you couldn't even dig up because it would just go to like mush they they weren't even like bits that you could eat they were just like blur in the ground and the same actually that same year um potato famines broke out in on a smaller scale all over europe including in the scottish highlands which was not as badly affected because it was just a much less densely populated area also incidentally invaded by them so that didn't end well and as i mentioned before potatoes are a bit of a rubbish vegetable they're 79 percent water they're 17 percent carbohydrates they are two percent protein which is nothing and they have no fat and as we've learned recently, fat is actually necessary to quite a lot of, you know, vital processes. And they're rich in vitamin B6 and vitamin C, but not very, and they don't have much else. In if you if you bake them, the vitamin C content and the vitamin B6 content plunge, so you're actually eating like an empty empty thing. And oh, they're, they're also high GI, um, which I doubt was a concern to your average 19th century Irish peasant, but, you know. Certainly um, it's not a concern to yeah. this 21st century peasant, i.e. myself. But you are not solely reliant on potatoes. I mean, if Lunga had his way, we would be back. If I didn't occasionally insist on a leafy green. We do eat a lot of citrus in this house, though. Do you know who doesn't eat any citrus, Kylie? The people that I want you to no. tell me about next. Way yes. and up she rises. So here's the thing. If you are traveling at a rate of, say, between four and six knots, or at least lower than eight knots, which was the top speed of your average ship in the 19th century, 
it's going to take you a very long fucking time to get anywhere on the sea. For example, if you are going from Barcelona to in Spain to Port-au-Prince in Haiti, and you're going four knots an hour, as you would have been between 1700 and 1800, it would take you 45 days. Wow. If you're going from Liverpool, Liverpool to Antigua, the Caribbean, it's going to take you 36.5 days. That is very long. It's more than long enough to get scurvy. Because, oh, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, it's slow. You've got to, like, this is your uninterrupted voyage. If you didn't stop anywhere, have bad weather, windless conditions, or sort of mutiny or anything. I have assuming <laughs> mutiny makes the list. Well, actually, I, I would delay things. I'm sorry. I mean, you're not going to have a, your crew rebelling and then, uh, you know, carry on at, a, at your optimal rate of knots. Anyway, and I'm assuming crews did rebel because diet sounds appalling. And I know I get grumpy if I have rubbish food. We're looking at salted meats, which were kept in a barrel of brine. Hardtack was an incredibly hard to eat biscuit. Oatmeal, which is probably the least offensive thing on this list. Puddings, which are boiled flour with the occasional raisin. Potatoes, hooray! Onions, beer or rum. Cheese, if you were lucky. Butter, if you were, you know, within a reasonable distance of port. And dried beans and peas. And fruit, if you'd been into land. Fruit and fresh fresh veg, if you'd been into land uh, recently. Which is why the Cape of Good Hope was established, because it was a refreshment station. Wow, thank you for creating my hometown. Can you know how annoyed I would be if I'd been on the sea for, like, however bloody long it was, and then I got there and it was kale? And they were like, hey, Um, kale! And you were like, oh, kale, great. I can feel the rage. Just even in that hypothetical situation, I can feel the waves of rage engulf the ship. As kale, all... kale, we've come all this way and they're giving us boiled kale. Ooh. I mean, I would I would certainly be putting a cutlass to somebody's throat under those conditions. Um, Understandable. And uh, yeah. And if you're out at, if you're out at, at sea for long periods, you ran out of stuff and substitutions became so I think at some voyages you were getting like a little bit of rancid beef and a biscuit. Oh, oh, that's and, sad. Yeah, so it's unsurprising, therefore, that between 1500 and 1800, something like 2 million sailors died of scurvy. Hot damn. Um, and many, many more millions that felt severely disinclined to work. Um, what with, you know, teeth falling out and rampant bruising and bleeding gums. Etc. And obviously, this was something of an operational issue for the navies of the world because if your crews are busy dying like flies you're not going to be at your fighting best and there was quite a lot of fighting going on at the time you know there was quite quite a lot of motivation to figure out what was causing scurvy but that was a bit of a fuck up because nobody knew vitamins existed Ooh, that's gonna yeah. really so make you come across didn't even know what they didn't know what they didn't know and they tried everything when it came to they tried preserved potatoes which were less than delicious i'm certain they tried wine which i'm sure was a slightly more popular solution yeah. They thought scurvy was contagious, so they would just isolate scurvy soldiers and then be very perplexed when everybody came down with it anyway. And then a guy called James Lind, who was not the first man to suggest limes, but he was the first one to be systematic about checking, thought that he would investigate scurvy. And he thought that it was a digestive problem. Ooh. He did not know that it was a vitamin problem. He thought it was digestive. And what he wanted to do was reset the digestion of sailors by moving them to a dry warm location because many ships were damp and cold this be the sea is not a happy place no like it's windy it rains you can't just sort of sit in front of a roaring fire because you have to go and i don't know what the hell sailors do scrub the decks <laughs> so he thought it was a digestive problem so he thought, okay if i can't get them somewhere dry and warm i'll just have to try and fix the digestion so he just gave them citrus specifically limes which they could get because by by the time james lind came along the british had shall we say acquired some lime growing 
territories in the Caribbean for the most part. We're looking at uh, sort of like Barbados, Bermuda, Antigua, etc., etc. The French had a couple of islands and so did the Spanish. So everybody sort of had access to limes. Now, limes do not contain as, as much vitamin C as lemons, but everyone who had lemons hated the British. There was the Spanish and the French and the Italians, and nobody was, nobody was a fan of the British really mm. at any point. And so the British Navy kept this a military secret when they figured out that lime helped scurvy. They didn't know why it helped scurvy, they just knew that it did. And they kept it a military secret. And they didn't tell the Merchant Navy even, so the Merchant Navy carried on going down with scurvy, but who cares about them, really? Tick um, move, England. Tick move. I know, right? You'd think We'd think they'd tell at least their other, but I think the whole thing was like, if we tell them, it might leak out. Uh, and then, God forbid, the French and the, the French and the Spanish get this information, they'd be, you know, fighting on level ground. Heavens no. Right, so that's when the word limey started coming in, because they got a lime juice ration, which was mixed with rum, which I'm sure made it really popular. Um, I'm, at, I'm at the point where if somebody wanted to give me a sort of rum and lime, I'd be, I'd be down for that at this stage. And yeah, there we go. That's kind of when the scurvy problem stopped being an issue for the Navy. Um, but the scurvy problem, um, I know, I come with more problems, Kylie, more problems. And this I time thought it was problems... going away. No, well, yes, yes. So the good news in that I'm just going to tell you about things that have happened in the past. Bad news, they happened to babies. That's never a good intro. Okay, what happened? Just what happened to babies? Just let's get this over with. What happened to babies? Infantile scurvy. Something that kind of blew my mind, partly because the symptoms of it are actually quite different to scurvy okay. and adults. Kind of ignored that part because I was super fascinated by two other parts. So we have an example of infantile scurvy being a disease of privilege. Between yeah. 1877 and 1917, manufactured infant foods, proprietary foods, became a thing. Yeah. And so advertising would be like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. Feed your baby this. Were they lying? They were. They were telling big old lies. It was not the best thing for your baby. And so babies developed scurvy. That's depressing. So at that stage, it was a disease of the privileged because poor people continued to breastfeed. Rich people could afford these new fancy, newfangled things unwittingly making their children very ill in the process. But infantile scurvy between 1945 and 1965 in, you're never going to believe this, Australia and Canada. What? I know! What, the middle-class bastions of Australia and Canada? Here it was actually a disease of poverty. So the education didn't exist around uh, evaporated milk, condensed milk. These things are not suitable for infant feeding. And certainly the advertisers weren't going out of their way to say... Don't do it. Don't do it. Say no to this for infant feeding. They were open yes, to... Do not feed your baby sugar. Terrible idea, right? Condensed milk is baby food. That's just diarrhea for days. It's a, a baby. total nightmare. Um, and so these, these babies would come down with infantile scurvy because they were fed milk products that had absolutely no vitamin C in, aside from like missing a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Good God. Because no. as it turns out, mums are amazing biologically they're pretty amazing yes because their their breasts manage to produce milk that has more vitamin c in the milk than the mother has in their own plasma okay. so a mother will deplete her own resources to make sure that her and her, her clever biological body does this i mean as human beings we're a bit of a mess but 
not that much of a mess. We are fairly remarkable, I admit. Because we're able to, either through a combination of the placenta and the breast tissue or the breast tissue after birth, able to give these little babies all of the vitamin C that they need. So infantile scurvy, be it as a disease of privilege or as a disease of poverty, does not need to happen at all. It is the most avoidable of the illnesses. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they do put not suitable for infant feeding on tins of milk products now. Yes, they do. Nestle, the uh, little peaches that they are, as the birth rate in sort of developed, quotation marks, countries plummeted, places like Nestle yeah. were looking for, we need new markets to sell this formula to. So they would oh market to developing countries, again, quotation oh marks. And then lo and behold, what happens? Formula is really expensive, so it gets diluted more than it should which means that the child isn't getting the nutrition that it needs. But this isn't really a priority for Nestle to like make sure their consumers are completely aware of what's going on. They're not going out of their way to make sure people understand that, you know, your bottles must be sterile, for example. So babies got sick. Babies died. So Baby Milk Action, they have continued this boycott that began in 1977 around Nestle being a responsible corporate rather than just money-grabbing criminals. Well, I mean, since their logo is a nest of little baby storks been fed by their mother, you'd think, you'd think they'd be slightly more trustworthy when it came, you know, to human infants. Oh, Why silly am I us. not surprised, though? I know, trusting you know, a corporation. <laughs> you'd think we'd know better. We have graduated from university. And yet, and yet still. So, that's the story of infantile scurvy. Uh, and it's largely eradicated i would say i hope so you know what with your risk of death i'm scared to say that it has been completely eradicated just in case it hasn't and i mean i wouldn't know i'm just a little amateur there was a rumor while i was at university that somebody in in that town had uh, contracted scurvy well not contracted had given themselves scurvy i guess and that sounds victim blamey though doesn't it although when i tell the story i think the victim did was to blame this dude uh was a undergraduate and undergraduate and um didn't know how to cook so all he did was bry for oh, five months yeah he moved into digs he moved out of res moved into digs and just cooked nothing but meat for i hate to think of the state of his lower intestine of all the various things that would go wrong just eating meat scurvy probably didn't cross his mind but i imagine he was physically miserable for other reasons and yeah he he developed weird symptoms and eventually got dragged off to the uh student health services and the poor bugger had scurvy the doctors took a while to diagnose it because you don't expect you know a healthy sort of non-completely broke student at a fairly well-off university to have scurvy but scurvy he indeed had so i think that Purely technically, we can say it's not eradicated because scurvy also affects uh, people with severe food allergies who have to have restricted diets, um, people with some sort of uh, various digestive disorders, also the elderly who maybe do not have the income to have a varied diet. So scurvy is definitely not eradicated. It's, it, it is with us. It is ever with us, is scurvy. How crazy um, to think that this a truly ancient disease, we know how to cure it. It's still here. No, it's any deficiency disease, it's just never going to go away because there's always going to be a possibility that you're just not going to get that nutrient. One day, Laura, we will speak of folate deficiency and then our little Ooh. minds will be blown. <gasps> yes. That was one of the one of the biggest global uh, efforts to eradicate a deficiency disease ever seen. Yeah, and uh, people who might be sort of uh, more unfortunate when it comes to scurvy, alcoholics and smokers because they deplete their body's ability to store and um, gather in nutrients. And people who only eat fast food 
the little bit of lettuce on the hamburger doesn't count. Yes. Anyway, but yeah, but you can get it from like a number of foods. You can get it from uh, guavas, you can get it from peppers, kale. I hate kale. Uh, yeah. Kiwi fruit, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, papaya, aka pawpaw, strawberries, any any old citrus, melon, spinach, uh, cabbage, potatoes, all stone fruits, so apricots, peaches, etc., etc. And you can also just get it in little tasteless pill form from pharmacies who often do have generic brands, so there's really just no excuse. Also, it's flu season, just take the vitamin C, okay? Just take it. It's not a miracle cure. You won't avoid flu, but you might get less sick because your immune system will be in slightly better nick. And God knows we need that this year. Yes, we do indeed. Do you know what else As we I've need? Pointed out I need... Other... What? What do we need? Guess. It starts more with an S. Kittens. Um... Oh, more kittens. <laughs> no, we do not need more kittens. We we want more kittens, but we do not need See, more, more kittens, kittens with homes. I don't mean more kittens in general. I mean more kittens to good homes. So not. Oh, just I thought we like were talking. No, I thought we were talking specifically about me and my want of kittens. So I just had to clarify know, for the world. I don't know. I know that I know that I know that your fiance is a cat dad and wants more kittens more or less permanently, but I've decided not to encourage him in that respect because you do oh. you have a limited amount of square footage to work with and I, I certainly can't afford more cats right now. Um True story. In fact, if anybody wants to send me funds, I was only a GoFundMe to fund my cat's uh, medical needs because he is a sick boy. Shame. Um, Poor Akasha. Medical mystery boy that he is. Yes. My cat Akasha was, does not have scurvy, at least. We know it isn't that. Because cats ah. can, as we said at the beginning, manufacture their own vitamin C. Hooray. That's one thing off the table, at least. Medical Marvel does not have scurvy. Brilliant. What do we need, but though? We need to let everybody know that they can shout at us slash comment compliment us slash get involved with us on social media so you can yes. email us at the dreaded pod at gmail.com or you can find us on instagram and twitter instagram is dreaded pod and twitter is at lurgipod you can also find us at on reddit these days as dreaded lg for reddit um, hey, listen, it's, I'm not doing TikTok, so it had to be one of the others. TikTok is so completely beyond both of us. There is no chance. I think we're not, I think we're legally like barred from TikTok because we're, we're over the age of, I think, 20. What's the cutoff? 23? 20, what is TikTok even? I wouldn't know TikTok if it leapt up and bit me. And with that, I don't want to date myself. With that, lovely listeners, that is the end of the first episode of season two. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you in advance for all of the communications you're sending our way. We love thank it. Thank you for and coming we're here back. For it. Yes, thank you yes. for coming back. And we'll catch you next week. In the meantime, uh, adopt the region-specific anti-COVID-19 measures currently suggested by your regional health authorities. Uh, always wash your hands, wear a mask, don't wear gloves, and stay home. Get your flu jab. And good night. Good night. teeth are falling out and you are prostate with sieges um i always get the i always make that mistake it's prostrate (laughs) 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 we're doing that again